Timmy Gusto. Hey. Again, we cross paths. It's been a good run. Yeah, we've been hitting a lot of things together. We have these pockets where suddenly we're following each other and at the same mics and at the same shows. This has been in our timeline. I feel like our careers are starting to sync up. I think they have been for, they were going to be for a little while, but they continually you know, intersect. And this is a big one this time around. So how long do you identify as being a comic? Five years? Definitely nine, because the first time oh. I got up on stage was nine years ago. Even with a three-year break, I feel okay. like a comic's a comic. I needed that time. Okay, then we're pretty much equals then. That's cool. We could talk to each other as purely the same. Experience level, not anything else. Not star level, not quality level. <laughs> Yeah, you can't measure that. I mean, yeah, of course. It's subjective. And also, I'm not really trying to be better than you. I I like you. When did you figure out that you're like a real comic? I think I knew from the time I moved to Austin and was regularly doing mics and everyone hated it. (laughs) I was convinced at that time. I was supremely overconfident, but you need to be. So that's the first time that really set into me that like Uh delusional confidence that you need, Mm -hmm. even though it wouldn't serve me for literally years. Was it delusional? Do you think? No. Yeah. I don't think it was delusional. Some people are delusional. Well, you just need to delude yourself. That's it's your reality. You know, and there are people deluding themselves into thinking that they're always struggling in comedy and they don't know why. And it's because of how they are approaching it. Okay, that's true. I didn't think about it that way. Like, yeah, that type of delusion, the bad, like, even if you're doing well, you might have these thoughts of like, oh. Oh, yeah. You know what? I I had my first little dip into self doubt. Mm hmm. I want to say last night, just before I went on stage, when I didn't, when I was like really teetering about whether I should go up at that mic. Okay, last night, yep. Yep. And it just crept in, you know, a little bit because you can't always feel like you're amazing. You can't, and you can't always feel like you're, like you suck. Most people are always feeling like they suck and they do. (laughs) (laughs) But I just dip into sucking occasionally. That's kind of why I didn't go up at that mic. I mean, it was just one of those mics where it's like, I'm not, what am I going to get out of this? I'm predicting right now that the week that I dropped this episode, which is two weeks from now, so not the week of the 12th, but whatever the week after that, you're going to get up on Kill Tony and then I'm going to release this episode. Okay. Calling it right now. I mean, we'll see. I I was thinking of maybe not even going next week just because I kind of need a break from the whole rigor of uh, signing up and like just being around new. It's just it is draining to do it every single week. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that you should. Sure. I I just really want to get my third, you know, my third appearance in. So I've been gone for maybe like eight times in in a row. And so I have this this uh, routine that gets me ready for it. I'm pretty good at getting ready for it, but it's starting to get draining of like the whole like meeting people in line. I'm starting to get burnt out from that. You definitely burn out on that easier than me, but it's not like I'm wired well, towards it either. Okay, that might be true, but 
who knows? I mean, I just think most comics aren't actually like most good comics. They're not necessarily good at the like talking to constant. Can I defend myself there for a second? Yeah, please. I've been doing this for 10 years without big breaks. So Uh like I've met so many comics and the type of comics that you meet to kill Tony are not just average comics. They're not even comics. Yeah. They fly. So that's why it, I'm trying to be nice about this, but anyone is going to, after a certain amount of that, they're going to be like, okay, can I just talk to somebody who's been doing it for a little bit? Yeah, did I ruffle your feathers a little bit when I said that you don't have that high tolerance for it? Kind of. I had yeah, to be like, I, oh, no, great, I detected I that. <laughs> I, did, I detected it. No, no but I was empathizing. I'm just being too. honest, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally see. The thing about you is like, we were talking about this last oh, night. Oh boy, here we go. I, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> I was talking last night with you about how we talk to comics that haven't been doing it as long as mm-hmm. us. I am way more generous with them. Uh, compared to me? Yeah. Why because, not just say compared to everybody? Why does this be compared? Because I, I don't know. I don't think you could really Then a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. I mean, then a lot of people. Because I'm pretty damn nice. Well, actually, comments. the thing I appreciate about you, this was okay. intended as Let's a compliment. See if this is a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the best. Episode. Tim and I have a history of me insulting him. How many times have I let's insulted go into, you? Do you want to go into that now or wait till later? <laughs> let's, let's get this one done and then let's tell yeah, cool. the uh, let's listeners it. about all the, all the ways that I've insulted this you. This is fun. Yeah. No, this is fun. So the thing I appreciate about you is that when a comic, when a new comic is talking, to you and me and anyone else that's more established, relatively speaking, when they inevitably make a fool of themselves and embarrass themselves and make the moment horrific for everyone around, you immediately draw attention to it and don't shy away from it because it bothers you. It bothers me too. Sometimes. It bo- okay. Don't be so like absolutist. <laughs> with, that's what hurts my, that's what gets to I'm, me. I didn't mean to. If you say something to to you. absolute, like, yeah. you, tend, you always do yeah. this. It's not true. I don't always do that. Well, okay. I'm going to tell you right now. But I did do that for sure. I do. You Wednesday. speak in absolutes. That's that's a habit. what bugs me. Yeah, it, it does bug you. I know. <laughs> it bugs and, and you know what? It kind of bugs me. Yeah, it bugs, it bugs me. Most people. Honestly. Yeah, but maybe you do it particularly to me because you see me as like a specific target. No, I'm not trying to roast I you. I no, see I don't think you. you're trying to roast me. I think it's not intentional. I don't even think. I just see you as a person who's very similar to me, but expresses right. themselves just a little differently. That's what you you, you, you that's a theme in our friendship oh, you, for you, years. You say that we're very similar. I yeah. think we are. Oh yeah, but you still we're still getting to know each other. You don't want to like rush to uh, making statements about somebody if they're. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, I'm constantly studying people, and so I throw out these reads straight out of my mouth that could be perfectly off, but it's just my way of communicating. Okay, so it's not just me. Definitely not, okay. and I've definitely alienated people I, and upset people <laughs> way worse than you. Because I've thought about this a lot, and I was like, is it just because I am I'm, I'm similar to him in like appearance, like height? 
Like we're kind of we have a similar background. Is that why? No, it goes back to seeing you on stage for the first time at open mics years ago. I just saw something in you that I knew was in me, a similar mm-hmm. sensibility towards comedy, a sense, similar approach to it, and a similar way that people are experiencing you and engaging with you and thinking about you. Okay. A similar way that they're separating you from the crowd. I noticed that when I moved to Chicago... Tim and I first met in Chicago around 2016, actually incidentally. And to the listeners who are not aware, we did mention that you've been on Kill Tony twice. I've seen one of the appearances. Was the first one the one with the handing the gold bar to Ari Shafir? Nah, that was the second one. Okay, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. I yep, saw you. that one. Yeah, Timmy handed a $10,000 gold bar to Ari Shafir on his last appearance, and it was very funny. Ari Shafir even said it. And I have known you from back in Chicago, and I just remember instantly cutting you out as different in my head because you were cut out as different. You were getting laughs like a lot. You were able to kill. No one sounded like you. And Chicago is one of the most uniform. Nobody sounded. Uh, Chicago is one of the most uniform scenes in the country. All those people sound the same. Ooh, burn. Well, Ryer Cameron is from Chicago and she's awesome and she's totally different. And it happens, you know. And only, yeah, very new. It's only a couple years in. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a year and a half. And right, I, I, was I met you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I nice. had to do it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I just had to That's do funny. it. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, she's great. Yeah. I was just seeing her, just talking to her last night. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Going back to, if you, if you want to go back to that whole topic of like. All the times I've insulted you. No, no, not at all. Oh. Just the topic of. <laughs> I love how you, <laughs> like, shit, he's going to say something. Um, the topic of like being exhausted by new comics. Mm-hmm. I feel like part of it is just that I'm an introvert. That's what I'm I saying. Don't know if you're That's an what I you well, seem more extroverted a little bit. So on the Myers Briggs personality inventory, which you may or may not subscribe to, sure. I I like it. Yeah. Uh, I am an ENFP, which is described as an extrovert that wants to be an introvert, and I haven't taken it in years, and I think I've actually become more introverted. I know how to socialize. I'm socially intelligent. But that is not the same as being an extrovert. I do not gain energy from talking to people. Oh, I see. It requires a lot of energy from me. Oh, really? I feel, yeah, I feel very similar to you. I just, um, I just truck through well, it that, because okay. it's necessary to what we do. I love conversations. That's why I'm doing podcasts. I love it when it's a high quality conversation. Same. But not all conversations are equal. Most conversations are absolute. Duds. Like, remember that dude on Wednesday, the dude from Oklahoma who was super drunk? No. Case in point. You remember him. Case in point, I don't. But he wouldn't let us get a word in, and that's why I was getting annoyed. I was like, dude, we're comics. You don't even know that we're comics. You're just talking to us like we're assholes. Did he try some (laughs) jokes? No, he was just not letting me talk. It it was annoying. He was nice otherwise. I'm saying, man, I've been in that situation with you a thousand times and literally it's a saving grace because I don't have to stand there and be generous because you just call out everything that I'm feeling. That night, yes, I was. Cause it was right after I, it was a fun night and I was like, kind of like, Oh, wait a minute. Was this you the remember, night? You this remember. was the night. It was the that, tall guy. Was this the night that Shane Gillis, yes, Mark you asked Norman, him if he ever shot a gun and I was like, okay, who cares about that? <laughs> like I changed yeah. the subject. Yeah. No, I was very antsy. To Why like, did I ask him if he's ever shot a gun? 
It was a good question because he looks like because he's from Oklahoma and he looks super southern. He is super southern. Okay, but the reason I was so annoyed is because I mostly wanted to talk to you. I don't oh wanna, yeah, I didn't want to talk yeah. to just some dude. But sometimes, of course, I'm open to that when when there's nobody else to talk to. <laughs> I just treat everyone with a sense of the yeah. possibility that I could be talking to a secret genius or maybe a secret well, sure. angel or something to, like that. That's a good way to be. However, I, I don't do that uniformly and perfectly. I've been a piece of shit to people out there. I really have. I've straight up been talking to someone and having a heart-to-heart with them and then saw an, something that was an opportunity for me in comedy, people that I wanted to be around mm. more or something, and okay. left. I'm not here to pretend that I'm such a <laughs> kind, nice person. A lot that's, of people yeah. say that about me, but they just haven't well, talked to me long that's enough. That's not being unkind, though. It depends on the situation. Like if you're being a social, if you're being manipulative and being a overt, I am not a manipulator. Social climber, then that's not great. But if you're just being like, oh, there's somebody I actually like, and just hanging out, like, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and I love comedy, and I want to be among the best of the best mm-hmm. in it. My intentions are pretty pure, but those are the intentions on the way to my intentions, you know? I wouldn't do this if I didn't want to get really good at it, and that means sometimes cutting away the bullshit. If you're not living a comedian's life, there is a ton of bullshit. All all your days are filled with bullshit. If you're a comedian, you have to learn to cut through it. Even once you get to where you want to be, still all the people aren't going to be perfect for what you're trying to do. And that's when you get among the people who are good at their jobs. On the way to that, you're just wading through a muck of people who aren't going to do anything with this. In comedy, you're talking. Yeah. Sure. You know, yeah, I, you still got to be nice to those people I mean, because they could, they're going to remember anytime you do anything even close to wrong, everyone, re- everyone remembers the wrongs, especially as you get heat. That's why that's when you have to be extra sensitive is when you actually get some heat in your under your ass. You got to be like, are we, are we good? Did I do anything wrong? I'm good with anyone who calls me an asshole for anything I did to them. I can own it. I've been kind enough. I've definitely had a heart out here. Do you hold grudges ever? It's hard. it's hard to hold a grudge. It takes work. Yeah, that's the thing is maybe I'm not perfect at not holding grudges, but the amount of mental effort that a grudge requires that could be suited towards your success is not worth it. So I'm always trying not to hold grudges. I can't think of a grudge that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we bypassed the fact that at that open mic at the Creek, Shane Gillis, Mark Norman, and Ari Shafir showed up. And it was like a dead room of like 20 comics. And of course, every comic went outside to hang out with them and would yeah. just come in to do their set in front of no one. And the mic cord was fucked up and the yep. sound was awful. Perfect concoction of things going wrong and it, right. Incredible. And yeah, one of those real things where you are just happy to be the comedian that you are. It was a r- reminder, yes, of, of what this is about, why I'm doing this, why we're doing this. It's like, oh, you never know. You could just be doing a shitty mic and who knows? You never know who's watching. I'm going to say right now, we haven't talked about this a whole lot, but you and I were two who did well on that shitty mic where nothing nothing should have happened. So you went up and the mic was not working and you were making 
use of that, in my opinion, it helped. Because you were like yelling and like the way you were modulating your voice, it was pretty good. Thanks. It, it inspired me to do my set the way I did, which was to ignore the host. <laughs> he was like, you're going to do your set from the sound <laughs> panel, whatever the fuck is called. I was like, no, I'm just going to go on stage. I came out in in the middle of you, mm-hmm. and you just had you it. Bailed, you bailed right after you said, like, fuck this, I'm going right back outside, and then you somehow got back in. Yeah, I got yeah. back in, and, you know, because there was a person in between me and you. I don't know That's what right. happened there. He did it from the booth, from the, from the sound booth. Horrific idea. Yeah. But especially okay after okay considering, but yeah, terrible. I wasn't going to do that. Yeah, and you're up there, and you just had it in your body, man. You, you had your leg up on the stool and you were just being so funny. It was one of those sets where it's like, I didn't plan anything. All I did was fuck around the whole set, just meta comedy, just talking shit about the process of comedy. But that's what I do. <laughs> and I didn't know anyone was watching. I, I got like a, a real laugh. I remember that part. I was like, oh, oh shit, I got a real, a real laugh. And then I felt like I had to keep going. No, you got a room type laugh. Yeah, that was like, what? Yeah. Because I was just fucking around. Absolutely. To be honest. I just love the way you said, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I actually guess I did technically do a bit, but it was so in the moment that it didn't feel like it was. It was a premise that I had in my head that I had never said before. So it was a planned, it was a written bit. Yeah. That got that laugh. And I had a bit that I was going through that was getting laughs and I think it was maybe 30% the bit and 70% the performance of me trying mm-hmm. to run the bit yeah. in this circumstance that was straight up borderline impossible. You did what a real comic would do. You didn't complain. You could have complained and if it was in a funny way, that's fine. But like, it didn't fuck up your performance. That's what a real comic does. They just go, oh, that's happening. Okay, I'm still going to be funny. I want that alchemy shit. I want to be able to take literally anything that happens on stage and elevate the act with it. Pretty much, yeah. Anything that gets thrown at you. That's why I love just going up there with nothing and just whatever the room gives me. Any sound in the room, (laughs) any vibration I could latch onto. Even if the host just says something about me, that's all I need (laughs) to start the set. I can't think of the amount of times that I've derailed a whole set because I heard someone mumble something to the person they were sitting (laughs) next to, and I just had to know. The the most interesting thing is always what's happening in the room. Mm -hmm. It's everything that you've ever written, everything that you could perform is secondary to the actual moment. It might be the case that the best thing to do is to do your bits. The better your show, the more likely that is. But everything's still always open. You could be in a theater and your bits could not be working for you, I bet. And moment could necessitate something else. Right. The room dictates or dictates <laughs> the uh, the performance. Dick dictates. <laughs> yeah, it sounded dirty when I said it. And that's a stage name. Dictate. Dictate. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would work. You know, we've recorded more unreleased podcasts with you than any other guest or comic in general. Yeah, we've done a few. I remember like two or three in Chicago when we were open micing. I remember That's how I met you. Yep. Yeah, I remember sitting next to you at a bar. I was like, What's yep. up? You were like, Nothing, I man. I gotta stop doing open mics. Really? I was like, Yep. Okay. 
Same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of remember that. And then we thought of an idea. It was called like... Wokonkies. Wokonkies. Yeah. Yeah, when I first met you, I was like, yeah, this he's really someone I want to be friends with. And I'm still working on that. On what? Our friendship. Yeah. I think I'm mature enough to finally be your friend. I feel like you're an artist and artists are complicated. So I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just want you to follow your trajectory. Same to you. Yeah. We so, can't get too in, intermingled if it's bad for our success. Yeah. I don't think it would be. I don't think so don't either. Think so. No. But at the same time, you're so original that I'm happy to rise with you separately, right? Separately and next to each other as two original things. Or if we get a really great idea, it could merge. That could happen. We're, we're doing it right now. This is a collaboration. It is. Yeah, and collabs are rare. Good I'm, collabs are I'm trying are to get special. better at that. I'm trying to learn how to collaborate. Yeah. I'm very... It takes... Because, I yeah, I had to figure something out for that to even be possible. Remember when you creatively broke up with me the first time? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So do you remember that I didn't really respond to it in a way that was like super hurt? I mean, actually, I was hurt. I was hurt because it was I felt a strong creative connection to you. But do you remember that it wasn't like a big fight? I was just like, okay, that's like really upsetting, but I can move on. It's okay. Sure. The reason for that is because I've had so many creative relationships I, fall apart. Did I talk to you? I don't even remember how I think it took a long time. After that, you kind of moved away pretty quick. Like that was kind of right. No, what happened is I got deeper into spirituality and oh, yeah. stopped doing comedy for like two okay. years. Okay, that's right. It was weird, man. I was starting to really hit at the open mics there. Probably some showcases on the horizon. Shit, I could have met Ryer feasibly. Oh, no, that's not true. Oh, yeah, she, that was a little bit before It was a time. little bit before that. There's so many things, so many topics that this is bringing. Like, so I didn't see you after that first time. For, for years. Like a lot, for years. And then I moved, and then I traveled here, and I see you at an open mic. Yep. I was like, fuck, is he going to talk to me? It was called, like... It started with a C. Yeah, it sounded quite, like a communist word. I don't quite remember, but it was the ex- second I got here. Yeah. The day I got here, yeah. I drove in. So I was pretty tired, but you were very nice and you had you were with your girlfriend and you're like, yeah, you could come sit. But before the very first thing you did was come up to me and go, yep, I, I knew you'd be here. Like something. I said that? Something like that. Damn. Like, yep, that makes sense that you're here. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, here's the thing. I was just starting to hit any open mics. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, who do I see? <laughs> but you in, I mean, hey. in this place where all this shit converged this and it was happening. it was apparently improbable that I would have been here because I hated it so much when I left but I actually came back because of that girl that mm-hmm. I was with knowing that we might break up by the way when we left but she just missed Austin so much then all the shit moved here mm-hmm. and then I'm starting to go I still thought I wasn't a comedian at that okay. time I was like Okay, that chapter of my life is over. I've found happiness elsewhere. I've found peace. That's mm. a lot more valuable to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of show business is bullshit. A lot Look of, at you now. Well, I go to this open mic. You know, I just start kind of getting out there again. And yeah, maybe like five open mics, man. And I see you. And then we hung out. This was 2021. Yep. Yeah, early. just a year ago. Well, almost two years ago. Right. And then we start ha- hanging out, of course, re- just like when we first met, really intensely and really we productively. We were hitting mics together here. Um, we were recording, we recorded several podcasts. Remember that podcast we recorded? Of course. 
Okay, so we recorded a podcast. Be careful, he's might call. He's gonna call. Yeah, this is an inside <laughs> inside joke between well, and yeah. reality. It's an inside reality. Yeah, inside reality. That's the new name of this <laughs> podcast. We were recording a podcast here in Austin after just having met a week ago when a week before running into each other again after years of not seeing each other. That's the setting. So we're recording it in this Airbnb where you're staying. First thing I mention on this podcast is, do you know Micah Green? He comes from improv, but he's actually funny. Yep. He's a great stand-up and writer, and I he just left an impression with me. He's from Chicago. And you said, yeah, I actually do know him, yeah. which is unusual because Chicago's huge. No, of course, I did know him pretty well, actually. Yeah, and... It was, you were like, it's been a like a year since I've seen him, but Sorry I do Sorry to ruin the story him. by saying I didn't, yeah. I, didn't know him is, that, I didn't know him that well. Yeah, but you did have to think about it. I remember the look yeah. in your eyes, like okay. you just kind of scanned your Rolodex of comics yeah. that yeah. you have. And you were like, yeah, I know him. He's funny. We're talking on the podcast for like two and a half hours and you get a phone call and you pull out your phone, and it's it Micah says it right Green, on the screen. Yeah, first and last name. I had his name in my phone. Yeah, isn't that fucking crazy? Because I happened to post something on Instagram about how I'm thinking about buying land in Texas, it and it was a, a bullshit bit. It was a yeah. half joke. You you were kind of thinking about buying lands, but you half made it joke. sound yes. like you were buying a multi million dollar ranch. Like, do, you, do you really want to buy land? And do you want an update on that? Yeah, because he wanted your, he, his dad is a master gardener. I mean, hey, I mean, there's. And he was recommending his father's services to you. That's why he called. Oh, that's why. I thought it was just to help me find the land or something, but okay. The other weird part about it is that he lives near Houston now. Okay. And at that point, he already did. So this was a Chicago comic we happened to mention that we both didn't know very well, that we both appreciated. All the mics were hot. Yeah. And while on the podcast, he calls and he's in Houston now. And he literally, he was shit-faced, but he said he'd come visit. And then, of course, he didn't. But Well, whatever. That's fine. I mean, but, he didn't but, have um, to. Do you want to? I actually just yeah, give me looked the at his Instagram today, and he just announced that he's done with stand up and, and opening a sandwich shop. There you go. Is that real? And it looks really cool. The, the logo for it looks legit. The logo did look. You think he's just legit. doing it as a joke? I don't know, man. I don't he's know him so that funny well. Like I said, weird. I don't fucking know him that well. But he was. Nice. I just remember him being pretty funny in Chicago. You know? Yeah. So I don't fucking know. Who knows, man? I, I respect that decision to open a sandwich shop and not do comedy, whatever. I mean, you can make sandwiches as good as comedians can do comedy. Like, it's cool to just make good stuff. Yeah. You don't have to be in any particular category, well, especially to today. Is it, is it in Houston, do you think? Yeah, it would be cool yeah. to it would be cool to go and we'll then, have to do that. I don't know, get him on the podcast as a guest to promote his sandwich shop. Why a not? rare three Why guest. Yeah. We should go just to try the sandwiches. I mean, For we sure. owe it to him after the connection he has established with us and He's that probably we not have, gonna listen to this story. He'd be like, Okay, I got it. He'll just skip through his own story about himself. Yeah, I'm not even gonna tell him about like, this. Oh, He's just gonna sit no. here. Yeah, and then what? So what then you lived here, obviously, and then I moved here slowly. I eventually bought a place within a year. I, well, like, even even less. Yeah, yeah, within the year. Yep, it was just July, so just yeah. you know, a few months. And um, it took me a while 
to ingratiate myself with the Austin city. It's hard to move to a new city. Yeah, I don't know. So it was just a lot. Of, it was just like, I don't know. I was going through a lot of things that I had to figure out. That was like, is this really worth, is this really going to pay off? Yeah. That type of thing. And But I liked it though. Still, I liked my house. You know, it was that's pretty nice. Couldn't mm-hmm. complain about that. Mm-hmm. Going from a studio apartment to a four bedroom house. So I wasn't complaining. Although your studio, like, I don't remember if I saw the last studio you had. No, I don't think so. At some point you moved. Where you lived in Chicago was prime for Chicago. Yeah, I lived in Lakeview too. It was a nice apartment, yeah. Yeah. The last one was even nicer because it was on the top floor and I had a nice little balcony. So a nice little view. Yeah, I had a studio. I I had a studio there and then a one bedroom that was obscenely large that I was paying less for than I'm paying for this two room place here. And yeah, I, I I loved Chicago, man. I really, really did. I mean, it has its downsides for comedy, Austin, hands down, no question. Sure. I mean, we could always compare the comedy things that are better. There's still some things in Chicago that are better. It's because. It's an older scene, so they know how to run shit better. Zanies, Second City. I'm even just talking, yes. I'm just talking about open mics, though. Yeah. Open mics in Chicago, people actually respect the basic rules. That was one of Bobby <laughs> Bugs' complaints. Which is a valid complaint. He hated complaint. that. And, and yeah. go into that a little bit. Open mics. In Austin, they're still very bad at that. They don't really know how to do open mics, which is the very basic thing that you start with in show business it's the soil yeah that's where you learn that's where you learn how to run shows and do comedy so that sh- that just goes to show that this scene is still very new it's like lava that hasn't solidified yet that's a really good simile because it's it's a lot like a volcanic mm-hmm. eruption uncontrolled still finding it, the crevices yeah. and spaces where it can it's chaotic yep, yeah unpredictable Okay, Chicago, it was easier to get stage time because you could just walk. I could just literally walk to three or four open mics without even getting into a car. Well, as you know, that was huge for me. You know, I haven't had a car in my life. Neither did I until I moved here. Yeah. What kind of car do you have now? Okay, so now I got the Miata. (laughs) Yeah. Just the Miata? Miata? Yeah, I used to have a second Tesla before I wrecked the first one. Yeah, the supercharger. So I got that one. Is that what it's called? Well, it was called, I called it a supercar. Yeah. Because it kind of was fast. It was faster than any other car pretty much. So yeah, but I sold that. Now I just got the Miata. Yeah, decided to uh, tighten the belt a little bit. That car, you have to be very wealthy for it to be affordable because it, it you have to replace the, t- it gets flat tires all the t- time and it, it's a bitch. It was, an, it was a liability. Beautiful car though, but the Miata, dude, I'm partial to the Miata. So, like it's great it's perfect there's it's great there's, you don't have to deal with touch screens everything's just a physical button like the 90s it's a very low powered engine but it's such a tiny car that it just it just zips around and you could you never have to worry about it. it's so reliable even in the rain have you gotten your license yet or yeah i'm getting a car in like a week oh wow yeah that guy offered to sell me a car but I'm I'm wanting to be a little careful about debts to people and things like that at this juncture. Yeah, I want to just be like, I want to just sign off on. Yeah, yeah dude, yeah, I'll take second. your car. Yeah. yeah, take my name. I'll take your car. I mean, that is interesting that he was so like ready to just 
do that, ready to like establish himself as your manager. <laughs> it is an indication of something, but it's not like I haven't talked to people who are wanting to do that stuff before. That really? he he definitely though it was a different situation with him. I mean, yeah, you you probably have all the knowledge. You know how to do all, every little aspect, just like me. How I go around saying that I'm like a woke Jew. I'm a sentient. Sentient fucking sh- showbiz Jew now. You say you're a woke Jew. Yeah. Can like you a, elaborate on so this? So like sentient. I'm like I just woke sentient. up. I just yeah. I was a sleeper Jew. Yeah. And, and now I'm like actually like alive. Now I'm actually doing what you're supposed to do as a showbiz entertainer Jew. You're doing real good. You call you call attention to it. And uh, that just happened a couple months ago. Yeah, the ability to own your uh showbiz jewishness yes to fully embrace it and to be like yes i could do this yeah when people do that to me now like point that out or pigeonhole me in that way or whatever i nod my head (laughs) or i just go yeah you know what are you i'm sure they do it all the time yeah oh they did it at the heckle mic that we were both at the other night somebody from the corner said you you look like you know, people are going, you look like this, you look like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Candace Medina's mm-hmm. heckle mic banana phone on Sundays at the Creek at 10 p.m. It's really for comics, but it's, and she really has created a great show there. Yeah. It's an favorite. open mic, but it's a show. I've really started to look forward to it like a show. Like my week is kind yeah. of pinned around Kill Tony and Banana I, Phone. The reason I look at it as a show is because I actually got a good clip from it. You can get it a good had clip enough from it. people there that it, it doesn't matter that it was an open mic. It counted. Yeah, I got a good clip out of it on stage the other night when this comic said, "I don't even remember who. I don't know who it was, but someone in the crowd said, you look like I didn't get a chance to talk yet.' And you're supposed to get a minute on the mic without mm. heckles. And then after the bell rings, the nine eleven commemorative bell." You the floodgates open and they can heckle as much as they want, but I didn't get a chance to talk again Even, on yeah, stage at all. Yeah, I don't remember that part. And this guy, someone in the audience, goes, "You look like you could ruin a." Huh, I don't remember what he said, but I just instantly was like, "You look like you could ruin a good moment. You look <laughs> like you could ruin a good set. You look like you could ruin a good show." In the moment, I made the calculation. I was about to say open mic. It just doesn't feel like an open mic. Yeah, show, like show is fine. Yeah. 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 And also the open mic that happens before it is the official creek open mic. So that one actually pulls an audience. That's true. And there's so usually some over. carryover. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's great. Yeah. And also people just already probably just word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's you know. Yeah. No, I, I know think. people who are in comics who go to it every week. The Creek open mic I haven't done and I really intend on it. I, I love those club mics. The that they curate really well and that they're deliberately trying to mm-hmm. just give comics a chance to really perform in front of an audience. That's pretty cool. Right. We're performing in front of a lot of clusters of comedians on a regular basis. Could you, could you consider Kill Tony an open mic? If it's an open mic, it's the largest viewed open mic on the planet. Right. I, yeah, I just I just think of it. I tell myself it's just an open mic to make myself less nervous. Like, well, this is just an open mic. Well, the best comedy advice I ever got was from my mother, which is treat every set like it's practice. 
that liberated me very early on from that thing that comics do. I still do it too, where they're about to go up on something and they make it into something way bigger than it is. And then they overshoot or they don't quite reach what they want to reach because they're nervous. It's allowed me to just be like, oh, every set's practice for better or worse. But I think it's really served my development. As far as Kill Tony, what do I tell myself? I just try to remember that I'm funny because if you forget even for a second everyone can see it because our faces don't really hide things can't hide it I love it I love detecting other people's nerves I love detecting that they don't want to be on stage I saw somebody do a show a week ago and they clearly did not want to be on the show (laughs) yep but they did well they still did very well because they're good but I went up to them afterwards like did you not want to be up there he's like no (laughs) <laughs> I did see David Lucas crushing a set that he was openly saying that he didn't want to be at. Yeah. That was right. awesome. In some way, it could make it better if because if you acknowledge it, it could actually help the show. Dude, he was literally going through his phone and he was reading ideas and he was saying that he fucked his cousin when he was younger and that he needed to talk to his uncle because he's never had pussy that good again. That was the premise. But the craziest thing is later on in the set, he's just looking through his phone again and he's going, and it's like rolling laughs. And he's going, did I tell y'all that I fucked my cousin yet? (laughs) Like he forgot. (laughs) No, he's a professional, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did well last night. Like, I, I liked his set on Kill Tony. Yeah, he's very consistent. The roasting I like, obviously, it's pretty, you know, the amount they've done is staggering and all that. The, but I really like his his minutes, you know, because yeah. he's another one just like, it's really just like Tony Hinchcliffe says, he just makes it look easy. And uh, his longer sets are even better, you know, because he has time to really dig into these ideas and he, his method is, you know, digging into the exact ideas that people don't want to talk about and are scared of. Mm-hmm. And Is he your favorite regular? No, I would say, I would say Hans is. Okay. Yeah. Because of the jokes. I'm not oriented towards jokes as a comic, as much as other people. I'm, I, I'm more performance oriented. It's about what's happening you know, the jokes yeah. are there. I, I write jokes. You know I have jokes. I mean, I don't know. Some people yeah. seem to think I need to prove this to them or something. You, but do, you, do, you, you do. You have jokes. You don't always do them. I don't always do them. <laughs> but since I'm kind of that way, the comics that I love to study are like the strict joke writers. So can, like, can we talk about your first Kill Tony? Yeah, sure. I, I talked about it on the Ryer episode. Oh, I'm sure you've Ryer, talked about but, it. Yeah. But I've never really talked to you about it. No, actually, that's true. So, and that's pretty because you've known me a long did, time. So first of all, my first question is it was not planned, right? Right. And you okay. could you detect that? Yeah. Yeah. I could tell. That, well, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't 100% sure, but I was like, there's no way he was planning. I'm <laughs> just going up there and not saying anything. It's not in my character to do that. And and yes, it's, you're right. But you rode the fucking energy. You did what a professional does and you took what the audience gave you and you fucking milked it yeah. until there was nothing left. Yeah. And the best part was the dismount. Yeah, dude, that was... Nope, that's it. And you put put the microphone in the stand so fucking confidently. Like, nope, this is it. Really? (laughs) That's what I remember. Oh. It's like, nope, because you'd made an artistic decision that I'm cutting it right here. 
And then he had to throw the joke book. Yeah. And then he caught it. With my left hand. So that was the thing that made it. It had a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, I'm going to be 100% real with you. That set feels like it was dropped down to me. I did catch it. Yeah. I did what I had to do, but that felt like <laughs> it was, it just felt entirely other, which I've had before. But mm-hmm. that I, that's the highest level of that so far. I expect more of that. But And I was at my house when I saw it, and I was just kind of taking a break from comedy. I needed to take a long break, and I was recalibrating mm-hmm. my mental health. And so I saw that. I was like, oh, shit, he's, he's back out. And then I saw how it went, and I was like, of course, that was very inspirational. Thanks, man. You know, I wrote a joke. I'm not going to do it now because I'm telling you it, you know, kind of how I am. But the one thing I didn't expect is that I would inspire people to try comedy for the first time, which I've now had evidence of. And I do regret that. I'm sorry that there are You got more, other people to try? Yeah, there are more people out for the first you time regret it already? Yeah, I do. I do apologize on behalf of comedy on behalf of the world that there are now more comedians on behalf of Austin open micers who are trying to get through these lists of 40 Whatever. people and shit. Joe Rogan doesn't give a fuck if he's the one most responsible. Yeah. And he's open in a club. So at least he's doing that to compensate for that. Oh, it's going to be so good. And obviously kill Tony will be moved there and we'll see how that is. I anticipate that it's going to take the show to yet another level. I imagine if it's it's designed for comedy in mind, they're ta- it's taken so, so anticipated. It's got. I hope. So. I mean, you can only imagine that. Yes, they're probably going to do a good job. I saw Tony Hinchcliffe talking about it on Theo Vaughn's podcast and saying that like Louis was there and said if the ceiling could just be ten inches lower, so they're lowering the ceiling by ten inches. Like oh, yeah. it's really the first club being built by input from world-famous, internationally renowned comedians. Right. So they know exactly Crazy. You know what's going to make a good room. Yeah, Louis' favorite room is the cellar, and yeah, that, that's like a low-ceiling basement type of place. So Have that, you been? No, I haven't. I've been maybe two, three times. I saw Louis there, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know he dropped in. It was, <sighs> yeah, it was the comedy pool, cellars, yeah. I feel un borderline untouchable maybe rogan's club will touch it though it's hard to predict the future yeah but the juju is on point (laughs) like joe rogan has his his royalty baked into his life from mitzi and the people that worked at the comedy store designed the look of the outsider actually helping design this club have you been there not to that one either i just met the guy i met the dude who designed the outside of it with the autograph with the signatures i mm-hmm. met that dude that is cool he's involved in the new one huh. a lot of names he yeah. uh made immortal relatively speaking. that was his idea and i met him he was just happened to be at vulcan and yeah it was cool to meet somebody like that the people that happened to be at vulcan i heard that tulsi gabbard was at my second set yeah, it's such a small room. It's Tulsi Gabbard of yeah, all, all I saw people. a picture. Yeah, she watched me perform stand-up. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I heard like Kiss was there, but that's so hard to believe because Kiss is such a big band. How could that be? No, and I've now seen video. 
I that, forgot so that I've happened? seen video. Yeah, it happened. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, William Montgomery was on stage last night saying that he hated Gene Simmons because of the makeup and yes. that that could have been anyone right. on, on at right. the Vulcan. And that's kind of funny, but yeah, also true. Funny. If you're that close up, you would know. Dude, Kisses that would be the easiest band to just continue to never acknowledge that they die mm-hmm. and and continue making yeah. new kiss members that's the most crazy thing that i could imagine happening in that venue is it's that's why it's hard to believe it's hard to say out loud that kiss played that room i had no idea how small it was yeah. i'm continuing to get acquainted with that because when you first go up on it it doesn't matter how small it is. It feels fucking huge. It when you're really on does. stage? Yeah, the does lights it? and everything. Okay. Yeah. Like it when feels I did energy, yeah. Yeah, when I well, that's all the I could energy feel. is palpable. Yeah. It's not it doesn't feel that big though, even when yeah, you know, to me it doesn't. I look at the I like looking up at the balcony. I've started to do that. I did that on the third one. Because you know, it's so bewildering mm-hmm. to do it that the first one, yeah. yeah, I just didn't have a sense of how big it was when I did Secret Show. I was like, oh, this isn't that big. Like when I had some time to actually look yeah, around. It's not, yeah. Especially for how it looks on YouTube, the and production. Con- uh, considering who plays there, it's ridiculous. The most A-list comedians. Of course, if it's a touring comic that's huge, they'll do Paramount. Mm-hmm. But they will still do some sets at Vulcan. Oh, that's where Shane Gillis, Mark Norman, and Ari Shafir were coming from. Did they? I know that they did another episode of Parks Protect Our Parks, but I don't know when it's coming out. Yeah, who knows? And also, they didn't seem drunk, so it didn't seem like they did it that night. Yeah, because otherwise I guess they'd not. be drunk. Yeah, Shane was not. He would have been a little bit different, probably. So he definitely knows? wasn't. Like I've seen him on some shows and Kill Tony and stuff. Yeah, they just you, seem normal. Yeah, he's he was mellow. Yeah. So that what they, happened after the kill after that first Kill Tony? Did you feel like a celebrity? Yeah. I'm interviewing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing a bad job interviewing you? No, I'm just very used to like that type of thing. Yeah, this is definitely the most like equal, like conversation based, like not me prying out of you. See, because I whatever. actually am good at talking to people when I want to do it. When I want to be, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm pretty good at like asking people questions, I guess. But I yeah. mentioned, but of course, I was thinking about that because you came out of taking, I, you know, you took a break. I think. Yeah, the, it's funny that you said you checked it out and saw that, and you were like, oh, he's doing it again. Okay, because literally probably a month before that, I'm scanning through Kill Tony's. I'm not doing comedy. And who do I see but you? But yeah, dude, I mean, the first Kill Tony pop was good. Obviously, that was somewhat local. But then over weeks and the month or two months that it's been, it definitely accelerated. In particular... Being on the William Montgomery show, yeah. really, that actually escalated following and stuff like that more than Kill Tony did because Kill Tony was the first thing. So that my Instagram went from like a hundred to three hundred followers. I had no presence at all, and then it went up by mm-hmm. three times. But then William Montgomery's show the day after that, it went up from like three hundred to over a thousand. So it tripled yeah, again. Yeah, got a shitload of views, more than the average episode. I looked at that. William and Casey are really, and really now fun. now you're a comic on the map. 
Mm-hmm. How you're like doing a podcast. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? I'm imp- I'm happy for you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm excited for you, what you're doing. You're clearly on the map too. I'm getting some I'm definitely like okay, yeah, sure if you want to talk about me for a little while. Among us, you know, among the level that I'm at, the level that our peers are at, you're it all you're, comes. You, you know, know, you're talking to people. People aren't like not looking at you when you micro doses. Like you know, it all comes in baby steps. It's usually and mostly micro doses. But you fucking had Milo Yiannopoulos on your podcast. And now he's getting bigger. He's famous now again. Yeah, he goes by Low now. He just no, just call me Low. Oh, yay. Took it straight off yay? He just, he just, he just, he's a troll. I mean, you never... But yeah, that's just something I heard. What was he like? Oh, very nice. Very good guy to talk to. You know? He did most of the talking, so it was a very easy interview for me. Yeah, it's yeah. nice when you can just let someone... And he's, yeah, I made him laugh a few times. That's all I cared about. I just wanted him to have a good time. It's yeah. pretty... That's a credit. For him to take the time to talk to you. I know, because well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I had to kind of pitch him on it. Yeah, I could tell that he would be interested in doing it because he did other. He did uh, Ari's and he also did that other one, uh, Legion of Skanks. And that was a huge controversy because they wouldn't want him in the club. They did it at some club. So it was a super controversial thing. And then Ari had him on his. So I knew he liked being on podcasts. So I just said, hey, I'm a comedian. Sometimes it's as easy as asking. Also, it's good that he actually had access to his contact information. How did you get that? Because of Telegram. That's how. Fascinating. Otherwise, yeah. How the hell would I get access to somebody like that? You you just never know who is going to be where in the virtual space or in the real space anymore, as is evidenced by what happens when we go out. Well, yeah, now we're in a city where it's a very small area where everybody goes. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's anybody is going to be on 6th Street if they're, if they're out doing comedy or showbiz. Unless they're up north. But it is concentrated down there. I mean, Cap City City is definitely a presence. I still haven't been up there. Yeah, not yet. Me either. Well, we're about at exactly an hour. Nice. I think that was a great episode. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Promote whatever you want. Really quick. Yeah. I'm Timmy Gusto. I'm doing a podcast tour 2023. So this is before 2023, and I'm already getting a couple in. So I'm pretty serious about this. So there's going to be a tour poster. I'm going to try to sell a little bit of merch. And I have a podcast called uh, The Tim Weichselbaum Show. That's my real name. So if you want to hear about another dude, <laughs> it's on everything. It's on YouTube and everything else. This is the second podcast on the podcast tour. What was the first? Yes, it is. The first was one called Outside the Shell with Nate Shell. Check out that episode on Timmy's podcast tour. And thanks for coming on, man. Fuck yeah. Timmy Gusto. It doesn't matter how small it is, it feels fucking huge. Uh Uh-oh, had to do it.